You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Baptist and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here's our pastor with this week's sermon. I don't know that... I, well, it's, it's been a strange day already for various reasons, but... I'm convinced that God wants to teach us something and, and, um, and lead us down to understand some things that, that we may not have thought about or put in, um, into our, our list of things that we know. Um, just so you understand, we're, for the next couple of weeks, and it will include homecoming, and, and um, you know how it is when, when a, um, a couple meets and they start dating, and they go through this process, right, of getting to know one another. I mean, it may start off with, let's go have coffee or, or something like that. Um, it could start like that. And then, then it kind of progresses, and it, it goes some places, and, and, um, and sometimes there's a shower. Um, sometimes there you know, different things that happen in that. Um, but do you, do you understand the, the church next week is going to be 124 years old? So the bride located here is going to be really, really old. Um, but we're going to celebrate that. And so, um, so I want to encourage you as we're in this series called um, Connect EBC that we just understand that right in the middle of this is this idea that God placed a church here. And so we're going to celebrate the bride here. Um, and it is, a, it is a big deal for us. And, and I think next, next year when we celebrate 125, it'll be just a bit bigger. You know, it's kind of like hitting those zeros in your life where, where you get embarrassed and all that kind of stuff. We'll just kind of get embarrassing crazy next year at 125 years. So just kind of mark it on your calendar. Um, we're going to go through a series of, of three messages that are, it's called Connect EBC. The idea behind it is we're going to cover the things that are covered in a new member class. You're going, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, it's really to put every, everybody on the same page. Uh, that was the idea when we talked about it in staff, because the beauty of this church is unique. The beauty of the, the fellowship here in this place is unique to this place in this community. And so we're going to look at that. And then from this, uh, just know that on a regular basis, we'll offer a class on Sundays for about three hours to cover this in more detail with some question and answers and some different things that will go on in that. But we're, for the next three weeks, we're just going to look at just a basic outline of what Connect EBC would entail. We're going to look at things like, and you've got in your bulletin, what does it mean to be a church and a church family? Um, how do you define church health? What does active membership look like? Uh, because it's different in different places. Um, get to talk about and understand our structure as a church. Why do we do the things that we do? Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we had a business meeting. Now, what is that all about? Where you say, hey, we're going to enter, it was last week, thank you, things uh, all I can do, I can blame it on gel seeping into my brain and, and ruining brain cells or something. Um, it is just, um, you know, we, why do we go into a business meeting? Why do we even vote on certain things? 
So what's, what's the deal with that? Um, what is our history? What does our history look like? This whole idea of being 124 years old, it didn't start because this building happened to be sitting empty and a whole bunch of people got together. No, it came out of a vision that was established by some folks. And it's just been, it's grown and, and evolved over the years. Um, and then the idea of how we can make a difference. How can we make a difference in our community? And so we're going to examine the vision of our church and kind of re-examine that because there are some new phrases that I would love us to learn and grab hold of as we move forward as a church family. Uh, so we're going to look at that and um, just, to, just so that we're all together because all together is important. Unity in a church is a bedrock foundational piece of what it means to be a church. Because if this section of the church decided, hey, we want to do this. And this section over here said, no, we want to do this. How do we reconcile that? And some of you have been in churches where it's exactly like that. Is there be a group that sit over here and a group that sit over here and they don't talk? They don't, they don't communicate. They don't do anything together. And it ends up in a church fight. You've, you've been or heard of those situations. And we're not that. We don't want to be that. We want to be a church that is unified, going the same direction for the cause of Christ so that we can make the biggest impact in our community for the cause of Christ. See, when the focus is this way and we're fussing, fussing and fighting, there is no way we can focus on those that are lost and going to hell without Jesus Christ. So this whole idea of Connect EBC and getting everybody on the same page is for our health as a church body. And so it's really important. So I would encourage you for the next two weeks, and you know we're going to eat next week in a big way. There'll be mystery casseroles, and then there'll be other casseroles. You'll know exactly what they are. And we're going to do all that right after church next Sunday. So I want you to be here for that, because you should. it's always good to come to church and be left full spiritually and left full in your belly. So next week is that. And then immediately after that meal... There's a group headed to Raleigh for Franklin Graham that'll be sharing next Sunday. So I'll just put that, mark that on your calendar as well for next week. So, but I, I want you to commit to next week and the week after as we go through this series, because it's important for us as a church body to be working through this together. And so um, there, there are some things that, that we're going to talk about. I'm going to see how quickly, quickly we can go through these. Um, if you think about how, how many ladies in here, or guys for that matter, are wearing diamonds? Get your hand up like you mean it. All right. I'm just checking where all the wealth is. Okay. So, no, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, you know how diamonds are measured, right? They're, they're essentially four pieces to that equation that, that tell us what the value is. And, and I had to look this up because I wasn't real sure about it. Um, it's been a long time since I, I went to purchase one. It'll probably be, I, I guess I'll never purchase one again. Sorry, babe. Um, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I'll just leave it at that because just, I'm just kind of digging a deeper ditch for myself. So, so four, four things. So the first one is carrot weight. 
um, just how, how much does it weigh? And so when we, when we look at that, if we were to put these, this idea of church health and, and what a church is in some of these same terms, we'd ask the question, as far as carrot weight, is the church biblical or gospel-centered? Second, second piece of this is color. It, you know, and it's measured by color. Is it, is it yellowish? Is it, is it white? You know, there's all different pieces to this. And we would ask the question with regards to church, is it a welcoming church? Is it a warm place to come? Or when you walk in the door, does it seem just inordinately cold? Like nobody welcomes me. Nobody says hi and and we've been in both those kinds of churches. And so that is a measuring stick for a church. Is it welcoming? The third thing is clarity. Clarity. And um, is, it, is our mission clear as a church? And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks, kind of refining that a little bit. So clarity is the third part. And then cut. How is it cut? Is it, is it pear-shaped? Is it some other shape? as far as a diamond cut, but when we talk about the church, we have to ask, is it cut in a way that it will impact the community? Uh, are, we, are we in a place where we can do what God's called us to do? Are we arranged right for accomplishing what God has for us as a church? And so we're going to talk about three questions this morning. You see them on the screen. What is a church? What is a church? Because church is different than other organizations. And we even put it in terms of organism because it is constantly changing. So what is a church? And then we ask the question, what is church health? Because church health is different than just existing as a church. There are a lot of churches that exist, big and small, and they can be healthy, but they can be unhealthy as well. And size does not really matter when you're measuring church health. Then the third question, what does it mean to be an active member? What does it mean to be an active member? And that takes different forms. And so we're, we're going to look at that um, pretty quickly toward, our end, toward the end this morning. So the first question, what is a church? Well, the easy way to define this on the front end is a church is a family of believers. It's a family of believers. Listen to what Paul said to the Ephesian church. He said, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. So those that have accepted Christ are fellow citizens together and members of God's household. In verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. So if we look at that and say, okay, so what do these two verses include? Well, they base two things. First is inclusiveness with others. So if we are a family of believers, then, and it's based on our faith in Christ, then it's the inclusiveness of those that have accepted Christ as Savior and received God's forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. Second part of that is it, it is only through Jesus Christ. You don't earn it. You cannot, you don't deserve it. 
And so we would put it in these terms and just quickly in your, in your outline, as far as pieces of this, we would say that God creates us in His image and for His glory. God creates us in His image and for His glory. Colossians 1.16 says that all things were created by Him and for Him, but they were created through Him. The second piece of that is sin is a separator of man from God. Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. Sin separates us from God. Why? Because God is a holy God. That's why. And there's nobody in here that is exempt from the term sinner. Would you agree? Some of you are going, I don't know, I'm pretty good. How good are you? See, I think everybody in here messes up. And in anything short of being perfect puts us in that category of sinner. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if we could, we could go to that verse and just realize that we all sin and sin is a separator. Sin keeps us from fellowship with God. But it's not a lost cause. The, the, this is what it says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So God has made a way for us to have fellowship with Him through Jesus Christ. So if we understand that we are a sinner, that we're separated from God, but God has made a way for us to have fellowship. And then the third part of that, new life exists only through Jesus Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away and all things have become new. The, the idea is that when we accept Christ, that we gain the righteousness of Jesus. What God looks at us, he sees what Jesus did on the cross and says, you are right in my sight. So it gives us a place before God, a confidence before the Father that says we can be in the presence of holy God, but only because of Jesus Christ. Now there are some wrong assumptions. And I want to throw these on, put these out on the table just so you understand the difference between coming to Christ and saying, God, I want to receive you as my Savior and I want to accept your forgiveness that's offered through Jesus. Here are some assumptions that people make that are wrong assumptions or ways of filling our need for God. First one, my mother, my mother or my father, my grandmother or my grandfather was a Christian, therefore I'm a Christian. It does not work like that. You don't inherit salvation from your parents or your grandparents. It is an individual thing. And so my mom could be the, the most perfect lady in all the world and follow Christ with all her heart, and I could still have ended up a heathen separated from God because of my sin apart from Jesus Christ. So you do not inherit Christianity. Second thing is it does not matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. You've heard that. Sincerity not get you to heaven. You can be sincerely wrong about a lot of things. Sincerity does not get you there. Um, 
what about this, this idea that I have to give up my bad habits? God takes care of that. This, this is the, the, the idea that I've got to get myself cleaned up before I come to God. And, and it doesn't work like that. In fact, we could try, and usually when we try and clean ourselves up, we end up just going in a cycle that where we, we start to do really well, and then we mess up and we go and do that cycle again. And, and God continues to draw us to himself but we go through this cycle of trying to fix ourselves without the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. We can't clean ourselves up well enough. And we sure can't clean ourselves up to the, to the degree that God can do it through Jesus Christ. The next one, I'll try to be good and believe my good will outweigh my bad. It's kind of hoping that you are good enough. It's that putting your your works on scales and thinking God's going to take that into account. Anything short of perfection messes up that scale. And so you can't earn your way. What about this? I'll come to church as often as I can. Will that get me to heaven? It won't. There are really good Baptist church members that are going to hell because they've never received Christ as their Savior. Church membership will not gain you heaven. Let me be real clear. It doesn't really matter what denomination you are. Baptism will not gain you salvation. I was a church member and baptized in a different denomination long before I accepted Christ. It didn't mean salvation. Salvation comes when we turn over our life to Him and surrender our life to Christ. It says this in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. See, I can't earn it. I can't put myself in a place where I can do the same thing as a holy God can do for me. And so I trust Christ with my salvation. The good thing about that, when I trust Christ for my salvation, He holds that salvation, and I can, I can mess up, and I do often. You could ask Deb, but don't ask her a lot. I mess up all the time. And if it were based on my ability to hold my salvation, I would lose my salvation every single day and need to pray that prayer again. But God has secured my salvation through the power of himself. And so God is the one that holds my salvation and has secured it by the deposit of the Holy Spirit in my life. So how do we identify with Christ? We identify with Christ through baptism. It's that first order of obedience in and we recognize as a Baptist church, we do baptism by immersion. Which, if you, the, the easy way is we take you up there where there is water and enough water, and we put you under the water and bring you back up out of the water. We don't hold you under based on the amount of sin or based on your age. No, it's a, it's a picture. 
And so we follow Christ's example of what Jesus did with John the Baptist. We follow that example of doing baptism by immersion. And it is a picture of two things. It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. It is also a picture of being dead to sin, buried with sin, and raised to walk in newness of life, raised new as a new creature in Christ. And so we see it as a picture of what happens when somebody accepts Christ, and it is a, an outward sign of what has already taken place on the inside. And so we say when you get baptized then you can become part of the local body, this church. Baptism does not save you, but it is that outward, obedient peace of saying, I belong to Christ. The second thing, we said the church is a family, family of believers. The church is also a local expression of the universal church. It's a local expression of the universal church. And the church is glorious. We talked about that last week. And the, the church as a whole is something that is magnificent. It's something of splendor. And we ought to lift it up. And this body, as big and as splendor-ridden as the universal church is, this church ought to be a representation of that. In fact, any church that claims the name of Christ should not be a place where it looks like it's dead. It ought to look alive. The bride never looks dead on her wedding day, does she? I mean, you think about that. She gets, and this goes back to the study that some of the ladies are doing on Wednesday night. They are adorned. They look beautiful. They're all fixed up. They spend hours and hours and hours getting ready. The church as the bride of Christ is spending years and years and years getting ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And in that, we ought to look the part of the church. Not by just outward appearance, but allowing God to change us from the inside to present His gloriousness to a world that does not know Jesus Christ. So the church is a local expression of the universal church, and a local church is unique in its giftedness. Like, not everybody in here can play guitar like Owen. Would you agree? I'm not going to ask who can, but I'm real sure that not everybody in here can. And, and we all have unique gifts, and he's using that particular talent and gift to express his worship toward Christ. And we all have unique gifts. Some of us, it'll be as simple as picking up trash in the sanctuary when worship is over. There may be other things that you'll do. You may dig a ditch. You may vacuum. You may go to a place that needs to hear about Christ and just walk into that space and share Jesus with those that don't smell or sound or feel or, or speak the same language as you. They're just different. You may be called to that. The church is unique in its giftedness. It's unique in its constitution. And I'm not talking about bylaws and constitution. I'm talking about makeup. Our makeup is unique. And lastly, we are unique to our community. 
This church is not like any other church. You say, there are similarities, absolutely. In fact, if you went to another Baptist church, it's likely that you could write the order of service. If you knew the names of the songs, you could write the order of service for them before it ever starts. So, we're still unique. And God has placed us here for a unique purpose. Let me tell you what the church is not. The church is not a building, although it meets in one. But if this building were to get destroyed this week, would we still meet? Would we still be the church? Yeah, we would. So it's not the building. It's also not a club. We talk in terms of membership, and and I tried to figure out another term that we could use besides membership, but uh, there's really not one. Because when, when you've got membership, you've got people that are together doing something, right? But we're not a club in that we're unique. Tom Rainer puts it this way in making this distinction between, between being a club and a church. He says this, he says, um, a country club member is about receiving instead of giving, being served instead of serving, having rights instead of responsibilities, and entitlements instead of sacrifices. This wrongful view of membership sees tithes and offerings as membership dues that entitle members to a never-ending list of privileges and expectations instead of an unconditional, cheerful gift to God. There's a lot in there. We're here to serve. It makes us different than a social club. The church is a place where everyone is necessary. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the context of this. And in fact, you could take 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 and group them together and you'd have a, a single thought in here regarding the church. And we often quote 1 Corinthians 13 and, and you know, we could go around and, and most of you could quote pieces of it. Love is patient. Thank you. Love is patient. What else is love? Love is kind. Something else. Okay, does not boast. You know, what, you know what's really cool? So I'm hearing a whole lot from over in this section. So they, they've got 1 Corinthians down. 1 Corinthians 13 is, is encapsulated in this three-chapter section of Scripture that Paul writes to this church. And you know what? He didn't have great things to share with the Corinthian church because they were a messed up group of folks. Chapters 12, 13, and 14, he gets into what love is, but it's in the context of not doing well as a church. And so we quote it as a love chapter when it is a it is more of a um, correction chapter for the Corinthian church. Because in, in chapter 12, talks about the use of spiritual gifts. And what he does is he talks about the, the abuse of spiritual gifts. The wanting to have this spiritual gift, which is higher than some other one, and being seen as it being a, so important. And so what they tried to do is they tried to outdo one another. 
say, I'm more important than you or I'm more important than this group of people or whatever. And, and they get into this boasting. And what Paul is saying is, hey, we are members together. And in that, we ought to love like we should because we are members together. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? Common good. So what God has given every person in this room is something that is good for the body as a whole. And when a piece of the body is missing, the church suffers. It's the common good that is the goal in this so that Christ is honored. There are differences in the body of Christ. I mean, Paul kind of lays that out. There are a variety of ministries, a variety of effects, but it is for the common good, for the building up of the body. You see, there is no, there is no confusion when God is in charge. When we recognize Him as the one who is the most important within the body of Christ. Verse 12 says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Well, that makes sense. We are together. We're one body. And, and we could go even further, verse 13, just, just to see what God does in this in getting his bride together and get his, getting his bride ready for his return. Verse 13 says, We are baptized into one spirit, into one body. Verse 18, God arranged. Verse 24, God is so composed or tempered together. And that means like beat together. And then verse 27, God is appointed. What if... Your involvement in this church was part of the refining process of God. You say, man, I don't, I don't I'm not sure I like my church. It's got flaws. Yeah, it does. And you moving to another church is just going to make the other church just as imperfect as the one you came from. Every church is imperfect. But God is at work maturing us to the image of Christ. And so your place in here may be part of what God is doing to mature you in your faith. It doesn't mean that it is going to be painless and full of comfort. It may mean that it's hard. We have to decide if it's going to be our felt needs and our comfort that reign in our life or if we're going to allow God to reign in our life. It's interesting. I've been, um, you know, start to do math at certain points in your life. Like you realize, as I watch the, the, the student ministry band up here and realize how much difference there is between my age and their ages. 
Um, and then same thing on a baseball field or anywhere else. You start to realize that. So what that does is that brings up questions. Um, simple question, how much time do I have left? Things like that. You realize, okay, what is the impact of my life? Is, and how important really is it? I've been in ministry for a bunch of years. Um, I started doing some math, and, and it's been 32 years in full-time ministry. Yeah, man, it's a long time. Yeah, you're right. And, and I'll just, I'll be very honest, not every single year of that 32 years was absolutely pleasant. You know, I've been, I've been in meetings where we had the two sides in the room. I've been, I've been in my office and been chewed out by a church member. I've been cussed at. I've been yelled at. And if for every time that I was fussed at or got my feelings hurt, being part of a church, forget the, forget the job piece of that. I'd have just walked away from ministry. And every single one of us have, have things that go on in our life. And I'll tell you that it's just part of the maturing process. I had to learn to deal with the body that sometimes fought itself. And so when we talk about being in unity and being the body of Christ and being differently gifted, that is on purpose arranged by God, tempered by God. I've shared with this, with our church family here, that my mom had um, and part of her leg amputated. It was a, it's a long story. Um, I'm not going to go into that here. But I want to tell you how important body parts are. You go, okay. Do you know that when they amputated her leg, when, they, when she was laying in a hospital bed here, and her leg was over here, that that thing was still called a leg? Do you know that? If we were to cut off a thumb or a finger or pluck out an eye, it would still be called that same body part. It would still be called a finger, a thumb, or an eye, or something else. Just because it's cut off doesn't change the definition of what it is. It only changes the functionality of it. And when the body of Christ, when pieces of the body of Christ are missing, they're still called a part of the body of Christ, but they're not operating in function as part of the body of Christ. That's why it's so important that we are together and we function together. Because, and you realize this, if you have anything wrong as you as body pieces start to go crazy and as you get older and things start to ache in places that never ached before, you realize that you want those parts to operate rightly. And it's the same in the church. God desires the parts of the body to operate in a way that honor Him and glorify Him. So there is a distinct beauty when all the parts are not only attached, but they are functioning in rhythm. Second question, what is church health? 
Church health occurs when the parts of the body function in the manner in which God designed them. And there's two basic scriptures that, that are in this. The first one is the great commandment. And that's to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the greatest and most important commandment, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the great commission out of Matthew 28, that as you are going, make disciples. Therefore, or go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. So Matthew 28. So when we talk about church, church health is really wrapped up under these two things, the, the great commandment and the great commission. And there are five elements in these two verses. And we're going to just call them out. I usually do a quiz. And so if you come to the class that we'll do on November 17th, you will already know the answer to this question. So don't be fooled. You just have to remember it. There are five things here. Worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship. Worship is where the church grows stronger. Ministry, where the church grows broader. Evangelism, where the church grows larger. Fellowship, where the church grows warmer. And discipleship, where the church grows deeper. All five of these are important, but which one of them is the most important? Any guesses? Discipleship? What? Individual? Trick question. They're all important. Every single one of those is important to the health of the church. We need to do them. There are phases or, or pieces of our journey as a church where some of those will rise and, and be of greater influence in a particular time than others. For instance, when we talk about who's your one, evangelism rises to the top. When we talk about um, Wednesday night studies, discipleship seems to rise to the top in, in that one. If we gather like we're going to at Christmas, where the choir's going to lead us at Christmas, in something on a Sunday afternoon evening, it's going to be about worship. And so sometimes, sometimes some of these rise to the top, but they are always in balance over the course of a period of time. And so all five of these are important because all five of these help bring health. And we measure health. And so... When we look at church health, church health is, is the expression of the body in unity doing what God called us to do. He's called us to do all those things. Let me give you an articulation of, of these five things in a way that we'll, we will use as an expression of why we exist as a church. And so these three things are, and we're going to put it in these terms, Ebenezer Baptist Church exists to help you Find your place by connecting with others. That's the first thing. Second thing is to build your faith by connecting with God. And the third one, make a difference, help you make a difference by connecting with the world around you. Does that make sense? Do you see the great commandment and the great commission in that? Do you see a process of discipleship in that? 
where I come and I become connected to others, but I'm going to grow in my faith and out of that's going to come making a difference in the world around me. And there are various ways you can do that. And we'll, we'll get to the point where we're talking about those a little bit. Um, for instance, I'll give you one for instance. You may plug into, as a church member, you may plug into Upward and be a coach. We are still in need of some coaches. If you've not committed to that, we'd love for you to do that. But it is a way to make a difference in the lives of folks, in the lives of those within our community. And there are a, a great number of opportunities for us to be involved in that will make a difference. There are places for you to plug in and build your faith. It's Wednesday night, coming to the connect groups. We're going to move some names around, but um, coming on Sunday morning at 9.15 for Bible study as part of a small group experience. That's a way to build your faith. To just come and get connected to people, whether it's serving alongside them, like we did down at Cameron Park, or somewhere else, coming alongside and just being part of a group. Ladies are going to be doing an event uh, around some crafting that will take place. And so that would be a place to find your place by connecting with others. So church health is the body doing what God has called us to do and doing it together. Third question, what does it mean to be an active member? Tom Rayner makes this statement with regarding inactive, the, the idea of being an inactive member. <coughs> he says this, the concept of an inactive church member is an oxymoron. Can you really be a church member and be inactive? The concept would follow if you were to be part-time saved. Does that work? No. Being a member of the church is a full-time thing. And so um, I get in conversations every once in a while about church. And somebody will ask the question, how big is your church? And that's a tough question to answer. Because you, you want to measure by certain things. You say, well, how many show up on Sunday morning for worship? But that is a different number than show up for Bible study at 915, which is a different number than what show up on Wednesday night, which is a different number than what show up for the meal on Wednesday night that Amanda works on. And I would also tell you she needs some help. There are lots of different ways to measure a church. And so when somebody says, how big is your church? I have a hard time answering that. Because it really speaks to how many people are growing in their faith and active in their membership. And active membership has pieces. Remember uh, I told you about the amputation and functioning? If a part is missing, is it active and is it part of the church? Church membership ought to have an attachment to it. It ought to be functioning. So I'm going to give you some responsibilities of church membership. Uh, obviously, this is an exhaustive list. It is a very quick list. But what I'm hoping is it, it puts a, a couple of handles on what active church membership looks like. 
The first one is presence and purity. Presence and purity. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 talks about holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And then it goes on to say, consider how we can stimulate or agitate one, one another to do to do good things, stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's the idea that Jesus is coming back, we ought to be ready. And so if your presence helps me to look more like the bride of Christ that I ought to be, then your presence is necessary. So presence is a piece of that. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, and we use this with regards to husbands and wives, where it says, husbands, love your wives. We could stop there, and that's a good phrase, right? But here's what it goes on to say. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that, that's a, that's a big piece of this, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, hanging out in Scripture, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. That's why we exist. That's what we're supposed to do as active church membership is in the place where God is working on us to, to be holy and blameless in His sight, presented as the bride of Christ. And so for those that say, I don't need the church. I don't love the church. I don't even like the church because it's flawed. It's flawed. I would agree. But let me ask you a question. Did Jesus love the church? Now, let me just get real frank with you. You pick on Debbie. She's my bride. I'm coming after you. Because she is precious to me. And I love her. How much more does Jesus love the church? Do you think he enjoys when people talk about the church in a negative fashion? Because they have a, they're either disgruntled with it or don't like it or don't see the need for it. Does that not hurt the heart of the Savior? If Jesus loved the church, we ought to love the church. We ought to lift it up. And put it in a high spot because it is glorious. To those that, that were here last week, we looked at Revelation 3 very briefly, the very end of the chapter, and talked about how glorious the church is. Second thing, not just presence and purity, but protection and prayer. Protection is about guarding the spiritual well-being of the church. That's part of what we protect. But it also includes the financial piece of that. 
It is never good for a church to be in a place where they can't pay their bills because it gives the wrong witness to the world around us. Hear that. And the reason I want you to hear that is because as an active church member, there is a responsibility to be part of the the financial and spiritual health of the church, and they are tied together. Let me go out on a limb. If you're not tithing, you're not spiritually healthy. If you're not giving, we don't even have to talk about 10% or 5% or 15%. If you're not tithing, you're not spiritually healthy because that's what that's part of being part of the church is about. Malachi 3, and we'll talk about Malachi in November, but he says, the question is asked, how have we robbed God? And the answer is in tithes and offerings. And then the very last part of this section in, ch- in chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, says, test me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. It's personal, but it's part of the church. You say, I can't give. Can you afford not to? Maybe that's a better question to ask. Because it's either about trusting God's promise or not trusting God's promise. And we can't, we can't pick and choose what we want to trust. We either trust the Savior or we don't trust the Savior. We trust the bridegroom or we don't. And this is an area that gets tested all the time when we start talking about priorities in our life. And I'm not saying that, that you know, you've got to come in here to next week and say, everybody give 10% because some of you have to work through some budget things at home this week if you're going to pursue this. And it may be that you start off at 2% or you start off at 5%. And, and some of you may be going, wait a minute, tithing, that's Old Testament. This whole 10% thing is Old Testament. Okay, we can go down that road. But I'll tell you, Old Testament, we, we kind of put that in the same level as law, don't we? And what did grace provide for us? More than the law. So if we're going to be people of grace, then should it be more than 10%? I've heard the story about a guy who said, how much do I need to give? I, do I just need to give up to the law? I said, well, have you experienced grace? Then you need to give up to the level of grace. It's more. So just a challenge out there. As we get ready to do budget things, let's step into obedience in Christ in that area as well. It's protection in prayer, protecting the the financial and the spiritual well-being. And then lastly, Satan is active in seeking the destruction of whatever God gets glory from. And it will include your priorities. It will include everything that takes place in a healthy church. So we need to be on guard. Our hearts need to be on guard. I was reading this week 
that often Satan attacks pastors and staff and leadership because he wants to destroy the church that is under that leadership. And you've seen it, and I've seen it. And so pray. Pray that, that God will protect His church. Here's a, here's a way to put it that Paul wrote in Romans 14. Because Satan is active and very interested in destroying the unity of a church, Romans 14, 19 says, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. We have the option of being the church that God's called us to be or being just another gathering of people on Sunday that make no difference at all. And I want to ask you, which one do you want to be? So we're going to go into a time of prayer and a time of commitment. And I'm not drawing a line in the sand for you. Please don't hear it that way. What I'm asking you to do is to consider what your part is. Are you part of the body of Christ? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Have you been or are you an active member of the church? Are you seeking the spiritual well-being of the church? Are you providing for it financially? Are you doing the things that active church members do? And then the third question, would you, would you entertain the idea of joining this body if you're not already part of it? So that invitation is there as well. And so as, as Owen leads us in, in our closing time, I'm going to ask that you would stand. I'm going to pray. And then as God leads you, you come as you feel led. Father, we thank you. Not just for who you are, but how you seek to mature us and grow us as the church. Father, the church is a glorious, splendid, splendor-filled entity, an organism that you've arranged together to accomplish your will. And Father, when we think of ourselves as individuals outside of your purpose and your vision, it's easy to get wrapped up in what we desire. So Father, even at this time, draw us to yourself. Help us to have a bigger picture of what the church is as a local expression of the universal church. God, help us to understand who we are in light of what Scripture says. And God, you be glorified during this time of invitation and commitment. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship service.